Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Robbie Sansom. Robbie is the co-founder and CEO at Force of Nature, a regeneratively sourced meat company based in Austin, Texas. Robbie's roots run deep in the natural food community, previously as the CFO and COO at Epic. Robbie spent much of the last decade studying regenerative agriculture at ranches all over the world. Through this education, Force of Nature was co-founded with the intention to accelerate the creation of a global regenerative supply network. Force of Nature works in partnership with land stewards, ranchers, and farmers committed to creating a positive return on the planet. With Force of Nature, consumers now have the ability to invest in environmental regeneration by consuming meat that is good for the planet. Born and raised in Austin, Texas, he received both a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from the University of Texas. When he's not building businesses aimed at saving the planet, Robbie can be found on a trail, ocean, mountain, or field, always making time to appreciate nature and explore his surroundings. Robbie is also a land steward at Rome Ranch, where he owns regeneratively managed bison. In this episode, Robbie and I dive deep into why regenerative farming is better for your health and better for our planet and how you can support it and incorporate it into your own life. Robbie, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. I mean, we, this, which is always my MO, we could just have been chatting about our kids for this whole episode, but that's not why we're here today. Um, we are here maybe to talk a little bit. A lot. Maybe it's a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit, right? It's It all affects our kids in the end. Um, but I'd love for you to start off before we kind of dive into... Oh, I guess more deeply into regenerative agriculture, soil depletion, nutrients, et cetera. Can you just give us the quick and dirty of what is regenerative agriculture? How would you best define it? Yeah, there's, I think there's a few ways of looking at it, what it is, and then what, and, and, and what I think understanding what it is requires a little bit of understanding what it isn't. Mm. You know, what regenerative agriculture is, is I think the embodiment or the manifestation of what consumers would be hopeful for in an agriculture system. You know, it work, it works within and relies upon the balance and the natural cycles, um, within our ecosystems, the energy cycle from the sun, the water cycle from rain and precipitation, um, the nutrient cycle and the cycling of those things. Of course, the carbon cycle and people think carbon is enemy number one. The truth is we're all carbon based life, you know, and so. Where should carbon be and how should carbon be properly functioning? Without getting into the, the nitty gritty of the science, at the end of the day, we, we produce foods, um, and, and, and through agriculture and agriculture manipulates these natural environments. And, and we can be working within the context and we can be harmonizing with and in relationship with and producing nutri- nutrient dense and plentiful foods by working within that system and honoring its wisdom, um, and, and the billions of years of evolution that they gave us that potential and that fertility. And I think that that is presented in contrast to the conventional system, which is the antithesis of regenerative, which is where 99% of food comes from, at least here in the States. And that is a very extractive, very industrialized, very chemical intensive agribusiness. You notice, you know, I said agriculture, when you remove culture and you remove biology and you replace it with with ex- extraction and chemical inputs you end up with agribusiness and and the, the the externalities or the side effects of that system are food that is less nutritionally dense 
um, landscapes that are desertified and becoming less um, uh, healthy and are therefore more difficult to produce food on and introduction of toxins into waterways and into, into the foods themselves and loss of diversity and loss of pollinators. Many of these things challenge our own health. Many of these things challenge the health of the environment around us, the well-being and welfare of animals, both livestock and wild, um, and all um, challenge the reliability and the stability of our food system. So I think regenerative is not only what I just described, but it's also the only viable path forward because the conventional path that we are on at present, the aka the status quo, um, is not sustainable. It, it will prove unable to produce food or unable to produce food that makes us healthy. Yeah, I mean, it really is the better for us and better for the planet solution. Um, I say and it, that's, uh, yeah. it, it replaces a vicious cycle with a virtuous one. Oh, I like that. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more, Robbie, about what's happened to our soil over time? and the effects of it? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll try not to nerd out too hard, um, but I think that there's, there's a real existential challenge represented there in that question. And I think there's a lot of misunderstandings and, and a lot of marketing around reductionism has kind of been misguided or at least led, led the, the well-intentioned consumer astray. And so, you know, again, you look back to where and why fertile lands exist and it's this incredible harmony of plants and animals working together and these complex ecosystems where diversity is celebrated and the cycles i referenced uh, earlier are functioning at their optimal levels and there's you know ebbs and flows and inconsistencies but there's the, there's such complexity that it creates it creates balance and you can imagine these herds of bison you hear stories on roaming across these pastures and these grasslands in the United States and, you know, grasses that are so tall, horses can't see over them and um, roots that are, you know, 10 or 15 feet deep in these soils. And then, you know, we come through and realize that we want to uh, produce a heck of a lot of food on this fertile soil and we invent ways to till it up and we invent tractors and then, you know, boom, all of a sudden, a, a couple generations later, we have the Dust Bowl. Um, on those same lands. And so, you know, there's, there's an example of how we disrupted what we were given, the, the, the bounty of nature and, and, and nearly lost it. A whole bunch of stuff happened at that time, legislation wise, to try to conserve, conserve soil. But I think the other, the other understanding that's important is soil, soil is considered a non-renewable resource. Um, in nature, it takes over 500 years to make an inch of topsoil. And, and, and topsoil is really this tiny, fine skin that wraps certain parts of the globe that aren't covered in water or ice. Um, and, and prime soil or prime farmland is even, is even more scarce. And that, 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 that fine non-renewable layer that takes a long time to, to, to create can be wiped away incredibly quickly through erosion, wind or, or, or water. And you, you know, the Dust Bowl is an example of, 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 of that sort of erosion. When we lose that soil, though, we lose the ability to produce food. You know, all life on land depends on it. You, know, you get your microbes in the soil. You got the plants that come out. You got the herbivores that eat those and the omnivores and carnivores that eat those. And then everybody dies and goes back to soil. Um, and so soil is critical. It's finite. And it is 
um, absolutely in, in jeopardy right now. We're losing it at alarming rates. Um, the, the FAO, um, Food and Agriculture Organization of the UN, when they came out with that statement that we had 60 harvests left, and that was whenever that was, five or six years ago, they were basically saying at the rate that we're losing topsoils globally, there, we have one generation of food production left before we will pass a point of no return and no longer be able to produce food. Um, in the U.S., as an example, we lose topsoil. Um, we've gotten our rates of topsoil loss down to about 2 billion tons a year. That's a number that is so large. I can't get my head around it, so I had to try to make an example of it. Our, our, our number one export is soil. <laughs> the EPA says the number one pollutant in our water system is soil. Um, you know, again, from erosion going into waters. And if you want to just understand what one year of topsoil loss in the United States looks like with 2 billion tons of this non-renewable finite resource that all life depends on, that we depend on, looks like 2 billion tons represented uh, in a way that I think the average listener could understand. Imagine the average pickup truck you see on the, on, on, on the road. That pickup truck, can, if you fill the bed of that truck up with, two, with, with, with dirt, that represents two tons. So imagine one billion of those pickup trucks lined up in a row. There's your two billion tons of topsoil. And in order to even make that number tangible, that wraps around the equator over 150 times. That's how oh much dirt, gosh. that's how much topsoil, excuse me, we lose in the U.S. alone every single year as a result of these practices that are compromising our food stability, food security, degrading our systems. And then the response to that is, you know, keep in mind that you're losing glyphosate and, and, and weed killer, herbicide, fungicide, yep. pesticide. These things are coming off with that soil going into Gulf of Mexico, San Francisco Bay, et cetera, making dead zones. You know, there's just the, the list goes on and on and on. But that's just kind of part of the story on soil alone. Yeah. And do you feel like, Robbie, we're getting to a point? I know you said we've, we've lowered that number a bit, but do you feel like we're getting to a point where people are putting more time and energy and at least awareness into regenerative agriculture to try to combat it? Or do you feel like it's very slow strides? Well, I, I feel like it's um, been slow strides, but, but gaining momentum. So I'm hopeful, yeah. uh, you know, to answer kind of the underlying question there. Um, but we still have a long way to go. It, you know, I think one of the stated goals of, of, of my company, or our company, Force of Nature, is, mm -hmm. you know, to see regenerative become a household name in the same vein as, as organic. Um, and, you know, regenerative is, is a, a, a raising of the bar, a step beyond, uh, or several steps beyond or, organic. And it's probably really what consumers think organic is, right? If you really want to boil it down, organic yeah. ju effectively just limits the use of uh, chemicals in the food system, but, there's still intensive tilling. There's still other things that, that, that happen where it's a milestone. And it's, a, I mean, I don't want my food covered in things that is designed to kill biology. So heck yeah, for organic, you know, but, and, and, and a pat on the back and a job well done for the folks that championed and, and rallied to get that to where it is, but it's not a destination. You know, we have a ways to go to address many of the other challenges, um, that we face at, at large scale. And that's a milestone and important one along the journey, but. I think we have work to do to create that awareness in consumers. Um, and I, and I think that there's, you know, the, 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 the encouraging thing is we're in the age of the digital age, the age of information. People are consuming content. You're able to reach them. You're able to tell stories. 
Um, you know, it's hard to shield the truth and continue to deceive in the ways that were done in the past, particularly in the commodity sectors of, you know, of the store, whether that be plants or animal protein or dairy or things like that, where, where shortcuts were, were taken so commonly. You know, I think the other part of it is it's easy to mislead. Um, you can, you can leverage that same thing that's a benefit, uh, and, 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 and turn it into, you know, an, another, another way to confuse and misrepresent facts around, you know, what animal agriculture, the, the, the negative effects of animal agriculture, even, even though those are completely, you know, myths or, or cherry picked data or, or misconstrued or, you know, it just led to confuse. Um, and so we have to, we have to combat that. But again, I think at, at any rate, the conversation that's being amplified and that gives us an opportunity to create truth and transparency. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I'd love for you to touch a little bit on with all, you know, our soil erosion and our micronutrient depletion within the soil, how has that changed? You know, we're talking about that eventually too, right? We may we may just not be able to produce food in general, but how has that changed the nutrition and micronutrients in our food? And the second part of that question would be in terms of meat, how different is it having meat from a regenerative farm versus a conventional? Oh man, lots there. And oh, I, I know, I, I, I know. I give me, again. give me your quick and dirty. <laughs> well, I, I think you know. Again, we 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 run a meat company, but I, I think there, I just I hate this idea of talking about like plant based agriculture as separate from animal based agriculture, right? I, all, I believe yeah, in plant based agriculture. You know, it's like plants and animals in harmony, right? I think it's either. I think Rodale um, has done some. I think Stone Barns. I think there's a few groups out there that have done a lot of research on. And produce data on this subject for, for plants. And, you know, you need to eat dozens of carrots or, or, or dozens of servings of spinach, you know, to get, you know, the, the, the beta carotene or the iron or oranges to get the C and, and so on and so forth. So we know that we've seen a precipitous decline in, in, in the macro or in, and, or sorry, the micronutrients that we look for in, in, in foods and vegetables. Um, I think, um, <clears throat> we also, have several examples and a really cool study that was published like a month ago by you know, Dr. Stefan Van Vliet out of um, Utah State University did a really cool study on bison um, and basically took a group of animals raised on pasture, split them up for the last four months or so of their lives, put half on, finished them on pasture, half finished them in a what would be considered a very luxurious and generous feedlot. Um, so the best example of what a feedlot or the conventional system could possibly be um, and, and it showed, and he did something that, you know, that you're probably on the forefront of, which is looking at, um, you know, phytochemicals and phytonutrients. And I think they measured that, you know, they, they identified some, some 1500 different phytonutrients and across, um, um, nearly half of them, they were multiple times greater in the pasture finished animals. And so these are anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, anti-aging, well-known compounds that are, are, are being, um, upcycled from the pasture, from the diet, from the healthy land and the diverse um, crops and, and forbs and forages that these animals are able to consume into and then incorporated into the meat of the animal, which then gets passed through through the form in the form of more nutritional density and better omega ratios and, and a handful of other things. Again, you know, answering the question on what you would see in a in a, in a regenerative pasture based 
yeah. uh, gra- 100% grass-fed, eating an evolutionary, living an evolutionarily consistent life, eating an evolutionarily consistent diet, versus one where they're confined, um, made to be sedentary, um, and eating an entirely curated diet of these, you know, often GMO corn or soy or other, other, other grains. Um, and I, I think, well, I'll pause there. There's just yeah. so much to the question. No, there is so much. And, and that was a great answer, Robin. I, you know, I'm always focused on micronutrients and nutrition in general, right? It's my job. And also working with Nork Naturals, we obviously were in the supplement business and people always ask the question of, you know, do I really need supplements? And I would say if we were like maybe 50 to a hundred years ago, possibly not. But these days there's like, there's two issues. One people, you know, a lot of people do have a poor diet and aren't taking in um, the right foods. But even if you are eating a healthy diet and you're taking in all the right foods and um, you feel like you're doing all the right things, it's still really hard to get all the nutrients you need these days. I mean, honestly, one of the best ways to is probably to eat a, a good amount of grass-fed or regeneratively farmed meat because that does pack in a lot of nutrition. But even for our fruits and vegetables, even if you're eating a lot of them, like we were talking about earlier, you have to eat even more. That's really just not sustainable for most people. And that's where, unfortunately, we do need more help. Um, but if we can get to a point where regenerative farms are the norm, that may start to turn a little bit and especially into our favor. But it's it's a lot. And like you said, it's definitely gaining momentum. And I feel like it's gaining momentum, but we have a long way to go. Yeah. I, you know, I, and, and I think that we're early though. So I think we have to give our, you know, I think yeah. we should be encouraged. We should be patient, but we should be encouraged. I think it's coming on. I think awareness of this is coming on more, more quickly than, um, than even organic. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it made it, made its way on its scene. So I think, I think we need to stay, stay committed. But, you know, I think the other thing is that it's the challenges with our system are becoming highlighted simultaneously. And the, the answer to those challenges is becoming so undeniably clear. And, and the, the false promises made by, um, you know, these supposed solutions that have come onto the scene in, in, in recent years, um, have been, I'd quickly snuffed out. Um, you know, I kind of pointed out that there's some myths that are being per- per- perpetuated around, around meat and agriculture. And, and I think, you know, that can be the, the information age and digital age and, and ability to reach and access consumers can be leveraged for good or for bad. And some tried to leverage it for bad, but they got, you know, they got caught pretty quick. Yeah. They, they burned out in, in a flash. And, and so, you know, I think again, there's so much, so much to be hopeful for. And, and I also think like to your point, you know, we, for a long time, it was about calories in, calories out. And I think, I think even that is becoming a thing of the past at an accelerated rate. And it's not, we're not there yet, but it should be. And again, you, the fact that you have to eat so many more calories to get the same nu- nu- nutrients, right? And we're nutrient deficient in so many common things like boron and let's just go on and on stuff that we should be getting from our soil. That's how this works. Healthy lands provide for the, these fundamental things that we need that we then, that we then upcycle. So I think there's just so many dots that are being connected simultaneously. Um, 
again, I don't want folks, I want folks to come away um, alarmed and, 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 and maybe even shocked at some of the realities of our food system, but, but certainly encouraged because I think the deviation from the path that we're on to the path that we should be on is, is relatively subtle in the grand scheme of things. And it doesn't take these complex inventions and, 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 and lab and, and you know, massive fabrication labs and, 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 and carbon sequestration, you know, in industry things that are doing all this nonsense. You know what I mean? It's like plants growing on land and animals eating them and food coming from, from that within a context that, you know, that fits that landscape instead of trying to dominate it to, you know, make, you know, bananas and Alaska and, you know, bison and the Sahara. Like, it's just like, we, we, we're doing too many things that are, that are strange and not. And then of course, we've dumbed down our food system so that everything's based off of corn and soy so that we could support a, an agriculture system that um, subsidizes corn and soy and we can make it really cheap and then we could put it in everything. It's just created the cycle. So I think there's all these things that we're breaking away from. Um, and, and at the end of the day, um, I believe in, in, in the consumer. I think um, there's a little bit of psychopathy incumbent with some big, how biz businesses, big businesses operate. You know, they find it, it's remarkable how convenient everything is to justify in a large organization, um, um, and 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 how quickly it is to cast aside the the unintended consequences or side effects of those actions. Uh, h- hence, why I say there's a little bit of psychopathy there. But at the end of the day, nobody's going to make a, con- a product a consumer won't buy. And so yeah. I think you know the consumer holds all of the cards. They hold all the power. They always have. It's really hard for consumers to appreciate and understand and accept that. But time and again through history, we've seen, you know, up, uprisings where, where, where changes have happened and revolutions have occurred. And, um, it always comes at the hand of consumers. And so that's where and what we're focused on is creating awareness and transparency and then access to options that support that more virtuous system. Yeah. And, you know, Robbie, that would be my next question. What can the consumer or our listeners do to support? this movement to support you know bettering our health and bettering our planet is it just to buy if they see a regenerative farm label like what can they do to support yeah you know i think um i think the quality from the of the farm system and and the the actions to take aren't aren't markedly different from the actions to take if you're um wanting to eat more healthy you know i think um you know i think when you, you're wanting to eat more healthy it's like you, you know cook your foods um and then you know buy it buy your in- ingredients and you know make sure you can pronounce them and and that there's not too many of those ingredients and eliminate a few things you know the seed oils and the lots of the simple sugars and and on the, on and on down that list and i think if you're paying attention you know that all can be encapsulated, you know, paying attention to, to what you're eating. And I think if you're paying attention to what you're buying, you know, look at, look at what you're buying and, and recognize don't, don't go buy the cheapest thing. Um, you know, I think we're, I think we become cogs in the machine and we become complicit when we stop paying attention, when we continue, when we allow there to be increased distance and a widening of the gap between us and our food. Um, and we're, and we, and we be, begin to believe the lie that our food should be cheaper and cheaper and cheaper forever. Um, we, we allow everything else to be sacrificed. We allow price above all else at the expense of all else. And we've, we've seen the results of those trade-offs. Those trade-offs are damaging the lands that we need to produce food. They're damaging our own health. 
You know, if you look at the trillions of dollars, multiples of trillions of dollars um, that are, you know, direct and implied, you know, just relate, just as it relates to preventable disease, which much of goes back to diet and lifestyle. You know, you're looking at the average household cost in, in the in the neighborhood of, you know, like six or 700 bucks a week. If you were to take the hidden cost of food and actually put it on your weekly grocery bill, that's sort of what it looks like. Um, and so I think just understanding that um, there's a good why to not pursue the cheapest thing out there and instead to pursue the most valuable thing out there. Um, and I think there's a lot of value in clean, healthy food. I think looking, you know, buying organic where it's available again, organic's not the destination, but it is a milestone continuing to show support and proving out that consumers want better. Um, I think when it comes to animal based protein, your, your meats, you know, I always say that forest of nature is the third best place to get your meat. Um, I think that, I think that folks should get on the land and I think that they should, they should struggle and try to hunt, um, for some meat. And I think they need to have that that face-to-face encounter with life and death and challenge and, and, and have an appreciation for the abundance of food that we have and a respect and appreciation for the animals that are sacrificed in our food system and understand that the life they live um, and, the, and their ability to realize their potential on, on, on the land and in the environment um, and their um, sentience is, 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 is remarkable and special and deserves to be honored and respected much as their sacrifice and the nutritional bounty and an offering they have to you and, and the realization of the circle of life where it takes death, you know, it takes life to sustain life. Um, I, I think that's just really, really an invaluable lesson and, 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 a, and a gap that most people have. I, I think the second best place to get, you know, your meat is if you're fortunate enough to have uh, local food producers and particularly local food producers that are, that are paying attention. They're not just doing the commodity thing, but they're trying to be better. They're raising the bar. They're 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 at they're at the organic level, or they're beyond the organic level. They're talking about removing, you know, re, uh, doing no tilling and honoring the principles of soil health, of um, keeping plants on the ground and not leaving bare soil and not spraying chemicals and disrupting and you know working within those cycles of nature. And if you have those folks in your community, you should be supporting them and finding ways to incorporate what they're producing into your into your diet. Um, and and you know whether that's beef or or bison or lamb or sheep or goat or rabbit or, or whatever the heck it, it, it might be, you know, um, that's the, that's the, that's the next best place to get, you know, livestock or, or agri, you know, ag based food. And then I think we're the scaled solution to that. We're trying to create a network of those sort of farms and ranches across the country and, 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 and even in internationally in some instances and take the best of the best that can do this at scale for the folks that don't have the time or energy or aren't in the right geography to, um, or don't have the right means or access to to pursue one of those first two um, avenues. No, very well said, Robbie. I mean, you've given everyone one so much to think about, but also kind of where and how to take action, which is just as important. Um, we love to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q and A for our listeners to get to know you better personally. So, first thing that comes to mind. What is your favorite de-stressing practice or support tool? Oh, man. Uh, I really want to get... I used to have a gym I would go to in sauna, and I don't I don't have that anymore, but I'm, I'm trying to get one set up, and that's just a little slower process. But, you know, honestly, right now, it's um, putting my phone away uh, and spending time 
with my daughter and just focusing on being present in, in, in those moments. And, and just appreciating the simplicity with which she approaches life and the curiosity she has for the world and the enthusiasm that she shows for what, you know, what are, what I take for granted and, and because of its simplicity. Um, and being present for, for those moments is really clarifying. It's so easy otherwise to just get caught up in the hustle and bustle and the rat race and whatever little icon or noise your phone makes to try to capture your attention and steal you from reality. Yeah, no, I love that. I couldn't agree more. Keep, kids keep you present and playful. That's like what I always think about. Um, okay, if you next, I mean, my yeah. fear would be the <laughs> opposite them, of that, right? True. Not showing up for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. Like when we have, I, I try to be mindful too, like no phone when my son's home with us, but it can be hard at times as well. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take your coffee? Black. Love it. Um, favorite home cooked meal? Oh man. Um, my, my, I, I grew up hunting and stuff. And my mom makes really good fried, fried venison and gravy. And now where I'm at in my life, I don't eat that stuff at all. And so it sort of makes it like the forbidden fruit that, um, that I, I think fondly upon. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as far as like, you know, the nostalgic, answer would, would be that otherwise i eat a lot of steak and i love it and it never gets old yeah no i love that. i always say like this question's like what's what's the meal that gives you a hug and the nostalgic one always wins out well, well it's, Rob, it's like yeah you have that with family and you know there's uh-huh. always this, always a community a component to it it's not just about the place oh, no food is not it's always about the memory that comes with it um thank you so much robbie this has been so helpful and informative where can people follow to learn more, learn more about force of nature um, and just learn from you in general? Yeah, I think, you know, force of nature is the, is the name of the, the regenerative focused meat company that we have. We're available in a lot of grocery stores. We have a store finder on our, on our website, forceofnature.com. Um, and you can support us in retail. We're available in a bunch of different restaurants um, and you can order direct, uh, from our website and we'll deliver it, deliver it to your door. I think following, you know, if you're not quite ready to, to, to make a purchase or if you have another al- alternative that supports regenerative, that's not us. Great. Um, but we're still going to want to be thought leaders and, and connect you to information. And so I'd say follow us on Instagram at, at force of nature meets, um, sign up for our newsletter. We're, we're sharing information and, 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 and interesting stuff in this space and blogs all the time. So. You know, again, you don't have to buy from us, but but join our community and stay informed and 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 be a change agent. You know, I think that, like I said earlier, consumers have all the powers and in 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 changing their food system, and you got to stay informed to be able to wield that awesome weapon. So that'd be my hope and ask. Again, so well said. Thank you so much, Robbie, and uh, hopefully we'll be connecting again soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. This week's actionable step is to start looking for regeneratively farmed products at the grocery store and see where you can support to better your health and to better the health of our planet. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.